0: Before we get started, are you registered to vote? Exercise your right and register to vote at vote.gov or rockthevote.org. Local elections are very important and have a direct effect on our local community. For my state of Florida, the next local elections are going to be held Tuesday, August 18th. The early voting period begins Saturday, August 8th, and it runs through August 15th. Make sure you check online for all available voting polls. The deadline for registration for this coming local election has passed. Again, local election day for Florida is Tuesday, August 18th. The general election, the presidential election, will be Tuesday, November 3rd. The registration deadline for the general election is on Monday, October 5th. The early voting period for the general election will be October 24th through October 31st. That's one week. You have one week to take advantage of that early voting period. And don't forget, folks, you can also vote by mail. For more information, check out vote.gov and rockthevote.org. Perspectives. I'm your host, Eugenia Arana, and on today's show, we'll be joined by public address announcer and college communications professor, Luis Perez. We'll dive into how his successful career as a PA announcer for some of the nation's biggest sports entities, such as the Harlem Globetrotters, the MLS's Orlando City and Orlando Pride soccer team, the Miami Heat, Florida International University, and St. Thomas University, just to name a few. We'll get into some of his career highlights, and we'll discuss today's main topic, which is the spread of misinformation on social media. But first. Welcome to Perspectives. I want the show to be about perspectives. (laughs) Through our show topics and guest interviews, I want our audience to learn from each other. We're living through these crazy historic times. Rona's flowing. Crazy conspiracy theories are circulating through social media. So I pretty much want to capture these cultural and societal shifts in real time. On our show, we'll feature stories of topics ranging from news, pop culture, life obstacles, stories of triumph, art, music, and much, much more. I want to showcase our similarities while also highlighting the differences. And I believe that we have much more in common than our differences. And I want to show that through our topics and conversations. So anyway, just sit back, relax, and enjoy some perspective. We as a nation are witnessing history in real time. As the COVID-19 pandemic sweeps across the nation and the world, there's been major civil unrest as a result of the spread of data and information about the virus, particularly in the United States of America. There's been social unrest due to police brutality and racial tensions that have led to disputes about American history. These societal events are debated, shared, and reshared on social media platforms in articles, videos, blogs, websites all over the nation and the world. While COVID-19 continues to spread, scientists and reputable journalistic entities continue to report that time is running out on slowing down the fatal damages and effects of climate change. Yet these major events and societal crises have led to major disagreements on facts. The increased use of social media as a cultural standard of sharing content has created public distrust in the professional institutions that provide the public with information, including news and media companies, thus resulting in mass confusion higher COVID-19 infections and deaths due to ignored safety protocols, civil unrest, public distrust, and worst of all, the spread of incorrect, misleading, and potentially harmful information. According to a study done by Pew Research Center in 2019, 7 in 10 Americans use social media to connect with one another, engage in news content, share information, and use it as entertainment. The study also found that today about 72% of the public Uses some type of social media compared to the five percent that did back in the year two thousand and five. There is zero doubt that Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube are being engraved into our culture, resulting in heavy use and reliance. And I'm not saying that this is by force; it's just the way things have been. As a result of the spread of information, there are massive waves of disinformation being spread throughout those internet and social media outlets, that discredit and put into question the professionals, individuals who are actually, you know, dedicating money, time, and resources to to this public service. A story in the Washington Post revealed that in 2018, as a result of congressional pressure, Twitter, the social media giant, had suspended over 70 million fake accounts in May, June, and July. Twitter also revealed that Russia used fake accounts to interfere in the U.S. presidential election. According to a story in the New York Times, Russia has been employing literal troll factories, whose priority is to create fake accounts and to post fake videos on various social media platforms such as Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, simply to spread disinformation and create mass confusion and division on those platforms. Thus resulting in mass confusion, higher COVID-19 infections and deaths due to ignored safety protocols, civil unrest, public distrust, and worst of all, the spread of incorrect, misleading, and potentially harmful information. So, more of the story, be careful with what you run into on social media, and be careful with what you share on social media. Double check, do the research, do your homework. All right, so Luis, thank you once again for joining us. Um, uh, so let's see. We met at the meet and greet that Dr. Moriano had told me to go this one time. Yeah. And okay. she was like, hey, Luis, you have to meet Luis Perez. He's the one who's in charge of, of the PA announcing uh, for the sports. Uh, we should go talk to him and I remember the the first time as soon as I heard you say Lem Casper I knew that we were going to be boys I knew that this was going to take off because nobody else loved baseball the way that you do just like me
1: yeah and the way that that we like baseball it's not even like the fact that we like baseball there's baseball fans all over but it's the way we like baseball. We, we see baseball from the entertainment aspect. Bro, from the- who else recites the 2003 World Series DVD, <laughs> DVD like we do, bro? It's insane.
0: We're the only people on the planet who probably know that. But yeah. thank you for joining us, Lou. Like, There's a whole <laughs> bunch of things I want to get into today. Um, pretty much with your career, that's what I want to really focus everything on. Um, you are a PA announcer, public address announcer. And you've worked with some of the most famous teams uh, in South Florida in the nation, you know, starting from right now, you're you were working before the pandemic. You were working with the Globe, uh, excuse me, the Harlem Globe Traders. and uh, before then, you have experience working with the Orlando City Pride. You've worked with Miami Heat. How did you get started being announcing? Where
1: where did where did you start doing this? Um, I started right there where where, where you and I met. Um, well, actually, we could go back a little bit. That, that's when I started getting paid for it, but. Uh, when I first started doing it was actually in high school, my senior year, 2007, American Senior High School. It's a high school down here in Miami-Dade County in Hialeah, Florida. Um, my sports marketing teacher was the head basketball coach, and they were off to a pretty good start, and they had a decent season, and one of my good friends was actually, William, was on the team, and uh, you know I had some type of interest in it for sure, and so did the school, and Chachi Rodriguez—that's the head coach's name. Actually, Free know, name by the way. Yeah, I don't—I don't actually don't know his real first name. <laughs> I know it's not Chachi, but that's what we called him. Yeah, no, nah, no. Nah. Um, and I haven't, Chachi. If you're out there, reach out to me, man. Once you're Chachi, your old Chachi. So, so Chachi Rodriguez um, thought, hey, we should do—we uh, should do starting lineups before the game, and you know, bring a DJ and whatnot. And it literally it was just—it was just starting lineups, starting five. That's all I did. Um, and I would sit down and watch the game with friends, but. Uh, that was the beginning of of it, you know. I got to get a feel of doing starting lineups, which I did it a of Michael Beal Michael Bayamonte being the long time hero. Yeah, long time PA announcer for the Miami Heat. Uh, I I did it in the same way um, uh, back in high school, and it was it was pretty fun to do. It was pretty fun to do. We did it all the way to uh, to the playoffs. I think it, I think we got knocked down in the regional quarters or something like that. But um, just just fun to do. It was really fun to do. And then obviously from there. We start the uh, the process into St. Thomas,
0: and so right there, you just said it yourself. Fun was the motivator, right? Mm-hmm. You got a kick out of doing this; like yeah. it was something that you did because you enjoyed doing it. There wasn't really any incentive, right? It was just simply something that you enjoyed
1: doing. Yeah. At that point, there wasn't the the incentive was uh, finding out you can do it. You know, figuring out you can do it. Um, I think I think it's powerful for a at that time I was probably sixteen, seventeen years old. I think it was powerful that I got to feel, uh, you know, a fan base and, you know, and have people react to, um, close, the closest people I could possibly do with, cause they were my high school, uh, uh mates, but <clears throat> it's a difference between wanting to do something and knowing you can do something. And that's the genesis of knowing I could do something. I, I enjoyed doing it, but not only did I enjoy doing it, I got to realize that I can do it. And that's, that was the biggest difference. And at a young age that does a lot to your confidence And I remember
0: that you told me when you were working at Chili's at the time that you ran into a former St. Thomas University athlete that kind of, kind of put you in connection to one of our heroes, one of our best
1: bosses. Yeah, not one of the best bosses, the best boss. The best boss, there we go. The, um, so this is 2008, I believe, 2008, if not 2009, uh, not too far off from the years of the high school. This is probably my second year at St. Thomas. Um. So a second year college, yeah. Yeah, at Saint Thomas University in college, and I was working with Emmy. Emmy was a former tennis player at Saint Thomas, who was working with me at uh, at Chili's at the time. We were both servers, um, and sitting on table eighty two, I will never forget where she was sitting, and you know that it was a night. It was a night shift and whatnot. She tells me, "Oh, uh, the athletic director for Saint Thomas, aka your school and my school, is sitting over there," and I know her really well. Uh, and she knew that I wanted to be a play by play broadcaster or a announcer or something in sports media she knew that that was my world you know at, at that point i didn't know what what the future was going to be, but I did know that I had aspirations to be in that world you know especially after having so much fun doing it in high school <laughs> exactly I go over to table 82 And there goes, there goes my dog, my dog, Laura Courtley Todd. That's my dog. Like, I can't, I can't explain. Like, she's my boss. She, 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 she now is my, you know, my mentor. Uh, I, I, I worship the ground. She, she steps on Man, I, I love that woman. So sure enough, uh, we get into talking and whatnot, and uh, the nature of this podcast, I can tell you, she was knocking down some some margaritas. She's not the ad anymore, so let's go. She was knocking down some yeah, these the margaritas are after hours. Yeah, these are after hours. Knocking down some margaritas, talking to me, and she's like, "Hey, sure enough, we need an announcer for baseball this year, uh, for one reason or another." And that was the genesis of what I mean by far has been my my best uh, gig to this day. I, I, I've worked with a lot of people, but man, at St. Thomas, man, I, I go to St. Thomas hey, all the time, if I, if I could. That's been the constant, yeah, working that's, with the university has been the constant. For sure. So that was the,
0: the beginning of that. So up to, up, to, up to this point, you had discovered this by having sheer curiosity and having fun. Then you had expressed how much fun you had doing that, mm-hmm. enough to where, when you cross paths with somebody who was who was in that, they knew, or at least they knew somebody who told them what you were about, like your brand, for example. Yeah, they knew what you were about. They knew what your goal was. You had you had expressed that before.
1: Yeah, at, at this point, at this point, once I got into the St. Thomas press box, it wasn't me having to tell people what I was passionate about. I think what started happening was people understanding. That I was passionate about, by it. hearing, by hearing, yeah. by hearing me do it, it'd be the parents coming up to me or the coach and saying, "Man, you're pretty good." Then it's really good that you do that and, and incorporating the music and and making a live, making a live production out of it. Like one thing is saying you want to be an announcer, and most people could possibly can possibly go and rock the mic and you know say now batting the second baseman for sure. But then to add the drama to it, add the entertainment to it. The, the music, you know, and someone stole, stole, stole a bass, you know, you play Smooth Criminal by Michael Jackson, and people giggle or whatever, and then you had the video board at St. Thomas Baseball, and started incorporating that, doing the graphics, and I became like this one-stop shop in South Florida. I would I was doing graphics for, if you played at a baseball a stadium with a video board on it, you went through me. If you had a big game for Senior Day, you went through me as an announcer, it if you if you just had a big game like you know um, Westminster Florida Christian they played each other on a on a HSBN game of the week and they wanted an announcer because their guy couldn't do it or whatnot and that's all it took for me to stay around Florida Christian I've been I've been there since I think 2015 you know and it and it just continued like that it kept on going like that it just it was adding gig after gig after gig and next thing you know I'm like building this schedule for myself on a daily basis. I just, you know, game after game, day after
0: day. So two things that I've observed so far. Um, One thing that you have mentioned that stood out to you early on and you said that parents were reacting to was the entertainment aspect of it. Mm -hmm. Now, you and I have talked in the past how much of WWE and WWF was an influence in that presentation
1: in that entertainment aspect. How did that influence you? So growing up, huge wrestling fan. I used to watch wrestling with my brother and stuff like that all the time and you see the like the drama, the way they they you know the, the way the, the the fighter comes out with their walk up song, the wrestler should I say the swagger, yeah the swagger, and then uh, you hear like Jim Ross and the broadcasters build it up and visually, if all those things weren't there, and audio wise, all those things weren't there, they literally would just be two sweaty men going at it, you know. Like, <laughs> but be careful but, context, so. yeah. But. All those things—the fireworks, the music, the the camera angles, the fact that you're in a hell in a cell, and they're doing the camera from above to make you seem so small—you know the angles that they took, like all these little things, the cutaways to the replays, um, the way they would say their scripts, the way they would say their story, like all that drama, all that drama put into it. I think if you're a person who works in live entertainment, you have to look at those people, make like, You have to be at all, you have Absolutely. to be in completely in awe on how they can make. A sport, that's what it is, a sport, into this you know, it's grand this, mystic, yeah um Novella. Yeah, yeah. It's like a novella. It's a novela. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's adding drama to yeah.
0: it. You know, in that you know, in that situation when the game is on the line on top of the night, you know you're gonna play your best son and get that home crowd exactly. pumped up and, and that that adds to the aura and adds to the whole entertainment aspect. Another thing that said out to me that you've talked about is once you were already in doing this in college, right, and you were working with the university, um, and you were starting to build your own schedule, and you were starting to piece things together. I'm sure that didn't come without its challenges. What were some of those challenges during
1: those college years that you that you had to, like, find out on your own by that hard work, by those reps? In college, is that what you're asking? In college, in college? specifically, yeah. In college, the hardest thing was uh, portraying to my employers at the time that this was a big deal for me. You know, um, at Chili's, yeah, they would give me the time off, but, you know, I would get I would get stuff from the general manager. And they would. They were supportive at the at the end of the day, but but you're gonna go do what? Announce a game where? What do you mean announce? You know? And they didn't understand that. But it became flexible after a while. And what started happening after a while too was, since St. Thomas was so close to Chili's, a lot of the athletes would come around there, and they would say, "Oh, yeah, Lewis and this that he works here." And then they realized, "Oh, this we, we're we're building this kind of a connection here," and it was nice. You know, we, I, I would develop give back nights and stuff like that for them. But the challenges were that the challenges were you know having to take a night class because it was the only time it was available, and then ha- agreeing to a season for a high school team or whatnot, and they have their games at 7 o'clock. Um, now I don't, come into, I don't run into those problems as much because I think the general consensus is that they know what I'm in it for. But back then, it was hard to express you know, this brand that didn't, it just
0: didn't exist. What you're highlighting here is that it wasn't so smooth that you had to make it known that this was
1: what you were going to pursue to your employers, whether they yeah. knew you deeply or not. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to be uh, straight up, I don't think anybody gives a fuck about your passion. I don't give anybody gives a fuck about your passion uh, until you do, you know, until you do. And then that's where, you know, people start knowing you for what you do and what you don't do, and whatnot. Um, it's just, it was, like, I, 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 don't, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but it was just, it was difficult at first. To have people understand that this is what you're known for. This is what you want to do. Not that I'm known for. That I want to be known for. Once you're doing this in college Mm -hmm.
0: and you're getting your reps and you're doing this, when did the opportunity start opening up?
1: Like the real branch out? Yep. So the real branch out was uh, 2009, 10-ish, somewhere around there. No, this is like 2010, 11. The real branch out was when Lale sports came into play, so Lale sports was a a cow ripkin like experience if you if you baseball people don't know what that is or should I say if those of you who don't know what that is um it's it's like ESPN's Wide World of Sports or, you know, something something of that nature where there's just a bunch of fields and they do tournaments and whatnot. They tried to do that in Homestead and uh, there was an old baseball stadium that was built there a while back for the Cleveland Indians. That, this was in 91, but then, sure enough, when the Indians were about to move in, Hurricane Andrew struck and destroyed the place and from that point forward, the Indians agreed to go to Arizona and that was that. It was just a, a sitting duck um, until... So, uh, John Ruiz, a lawyer down in Miami, bought the place and started running tournaments. And they would broadcast high school games here and there. Then they caught on to broadcasting one of the St. Thomas's games where I was a PA and for that game. And I met a couple guys from LA at that time, specifically Laz Suarez, who now owns Bleacher, which is a huge uh, social media site for, for high school football today. I, I was announcing the game. They reached out to me. They said, "Hey, we need to get this guy." Blah blah blah. They vouched for me. They put me to announce one, one game uh, of a small little tournament they had about a month later. And John Ruiz was like, "Yeah, that's the guy." And here I am now, doing five games a day for like four months straight, living in a press box in a suite in the uh, in the stadium, going to sleep at one o'clock at 8 a.m., waking up at seven. And, again, doing five, six games a day, getting paid 50 bucks per game. Uh, so we're talking about making $300 a day mm-hmm. almost at 19 years old. Um, I was rich. Yeah, You know? Yeah, <laughs> you know? Like, 19 years old, I was rich. And you were having fun. Are you kidding me? Yeah. That's the motivator right there. Yeah, for sure. I was I was having a ball and doing this and unbeknownst. I mean, unknowingly, I was doing this as well, developing my market. I was talking to just about anybody who was related to baseball in the state because they would go down there for tournaments because we started off our tournaments free of charge for these teams and who's not going to come, you know? So anyone who was anyone was coming down to us. And it was phenomenal. We even became the namesake for uh, the Legends, Florida Legends, which is a huge travel program. The Albert Amores of the world were coming out of that. You know, the Manny Machados and whatnot, they were coming out of that and it was just... I got to be a part of that. Did we meet Agustin Marqueti there? Agustin Marquette, <laughs> yeah, dude. So Agustin That's Mar- for your local fans out there. Yeah, Agustin uh, uh a world, a Cuban baseball World Series hero in 86. He hit a walk, whatever. He was there. He was coaching. So I got to meet these people. Uh, uh, Theo from the Cubs, well, we're at the Cubs at the moment, uh-huh. he was there. He, he, Theo, he Epstein. Theo Epstein literally saw Albert Amora play against Carlos Correa, at that stadium. It's amazing. Uh, it was uh, See, the Florida Legends versus IBHS, the Puerto Rican uh, yep. travel team. They, they played each other, and I got to announce it. And I was 19 years old. That, that I mean, that game cost them 50 bucks, for, but for me, it was it became a lot more than 50 bucks. Oh, absolutely, you know?
0: absolutely. So, like, I think that by the fact that you were pursuing, again, something that brought you joy, something that, that was fun, something that you enjoyed, on top of that, something that got you paid. I think by putting yourself in that world or, or, or in that mode, right, in that drive mode, that got you in the situations with people who shared your interests or people who were looking for something in your world. What I mean by that is, by pursuing, right, public address announcing in sports, you put yourself and set yourself up to put yourself in good situations that
1: opened up opportunities for you later in life. Oh, for sure. Um, are you trying to lead me into the education part right here? Is that what you're trying to say? Or Yeah. yeah. yeah like right, so so the... The announcing thing, um, the announcing thing was going well, and here's the problem: that was going well, but who I was working for wasn't. Uh, Laleh had some legal issues, and um, I got I got word from one of the guys I was working with that he was, and I don't want to put his name out there because he he was great. Uh, to give me this advice But it probably wasn't advice that you know, our, our employer wanted to hear at the moment But long story short Hey, uh, get out of here uh, y- y- Your career is big And if you stick around Sometimes, sometimes uh, The musk of a situation Can rub off on you as well Just being employed there And took that advice And th- this is where I learned this as well and-, and it was good to learn this at about 19 years old People you work with are gonna have their legal issues. Person, like the people you work with, the, the employers you work with, and I think that wise me up as well. Knowing that I have to watch myself as well. Not everything is as pretty as as, as it as it looks or as it could seem. So I did exactly that, and he veered me towards this new school that was opening up in in uh, in Little Havana area called SLAM Sports Leadership and Management. It was a, a school that ran academies for sports careers, and they wanted somebody to start up their sports broadcasting department. So here I am, 23 years old at this time, and I am opening up an academy of sports broadcasting for a school being funded by uh, Pitbull, by the way, at in the heart of where Marlins Park was, was built. And a lot of media attention was on that. I think when you and I were friends, like, hey, look, the senators were walking in here. Like, there was always someone famous. There was a ribbon
0: right? Yeah, it? yeah,
1: well, huge. Yes, yeah, it's still to this day. And I'm 23 years old. You know, like the fact that I've made my passion of wanting to speak into a microphone to a grandstand of of, of, of fans has now turned into me enforcing my. Now my style. You're teaching style. the, you're teaching yeah. the now. I'm, now. St- I'm teaching it. Like my style is now becoming influential to other people. Uh, if I look back now, I'm about to be 31 in a couple weeks here, well, a couple days actually, and boy, I wasn't ready for that. I was not ready for that. That was that was um, a learning lesson indeed. But <sighs> sometimes being thrown in the fire. Yeah, it was. I was not ready for that. Now, now what it turned into. We fast forward. I'm a professor of the thing as well now. You know. I, uh, it was like Kevin Hart, you're going to learn today. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to learn today. And by this point, you already had, you already got your bachelor's degree, correct? In yeah, I, I just got my bachelor's. In fact, uh, when I was working for Lale, I, I took about a, a semester off, you know, and uh, people like Dr. Bell and whatnot were not really happy about <laughs> that. But my, my idea, especially, and I still think, still think this way until to this day, you get a degree to get money, so if you're getting money... If you have to not to not get a degree, but if you have to put it on hold, you're good. You know, just you know, chill. And I needed that. By the way, shout out to Dr. Bell,
0: St. Thomas University. Spoke at great. Yep. Um, so now you're teaching. Now you're teaching the craft. Now you're teaching the next generation of students. You know, the craft that you helped yep. develop on your own. Um, what has that been like? What, I know you started at the high school level, correct? Mm-hmm. Like, what were the first rewarding moments,
1: and at the same time, what were the, the challenging moments? Oh, uh, which ones came first? The challenges. Uh-huh. The challenges came first. It came often and a plenty. Don't, don't get me wrong, man. Like I and I do enjoy enjoy teaching, and I do enjoy teaching, um, definitely from the collegiate level, but the high school level just was it's such a different ball game you know you sign up thinking you're going to teach curriculum x and that's the thing you do the least at the high school level you know uh i, I did and, but why do you say that because there's there's
0: not you're not just teaching a subject you're in a way a you know father figure perhaps
1: Yeah. Or at mentor again, at 23 years old I'm a father figure and i haven't done what it takes to become a father if you know what i mean mm. so so i got you i got you yeah like uh, um it's, it's, it was draining It was emotionally draining Because I think one of the worst things You could do Is be a teacher Especially at a public school With, with big um, classroom sets Like you know 40 to 50 students And I think the worst You could do is care And I hate to say it that way you know, I hate to say it that way, but uh, you know, the, the our, our point of having these chats is to be real. Absolutely. Yeah, no, and, real.
0: And, and if you don't mind, like, it, can you go into detail with with any one situation where? But you know, you <laughs> yeah, don't have to yeah, use yeah, any yeah. names. So yeah, 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 Keep it as generic I'll, as I'll, possible.
1: Uh, this one kid one day walks in, and I'm gonna leave this as loose as I possibly yeah, yeah, can. please, I, please, please. What one one day a kid walks in and he's crying and crying and crying and crying. I'm like, what's wrong with you? I console him, and he tells me that his boyfriend has, is, was beating him up. And I was like, uh, okay, then. Uh, okay, so he just dropped you off and beat you up. And I'm like, whoa. He's like, no, 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 no. no. Nobody knows I'm gay. So now he, here is a huge problem I have. This isn't the way his family should find out. You know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And still to this day it's something that, that weighs on me. Because no matter what move I made, I was going to be wrong.
0: It was going to come with
1: consequences. Exactly. No matter what move I made, I was going to be wrong. I tried my best to massage the scenario, and it did work out at the end of the day. And but it got worked out at the level that mattered the most, and that's with the family, that's with the uh, the child, and that's with said human being. You know what I mean? And nobody really prepares you um, as an educator. For those situations. Exactly. And, and it's, it's damn if you do and damn if you don't. There's so, there's so many scenarios I could bring up to you. Now, get me wrong. I have a platoon of children that graduated that now practice in this field and work and, and go to school in the communications department and whatnot. And that's extremely rewarding. But what was happening was I came into the teaching world because I was an announcer, but it started becoming a little too much on my plate. And, yes, I was announcing games left and right. I was teaching 7 to 2.30 or 3 o'clock, doing games at 3 and at 7 o'clock, either at FIU, Nova, Barry high schools, like, wherever it is, I was, I was jumping here and there, going all over the place. But that became tiring. I became, I became tired physically and emotionally. And after a while, man, like it was really, really taking a toll on me. If I'm being very honest, it was taking a toll on me. But these are the sacrifices you have to make. I had to finance my dream. What allowed you to cope mentally
0: with that? What would you tell yourself, or the or, games, or, or the games? It was the games. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely, working in sports is is me, and most of all, most of us that work in it. This is our disconnect. This is our huge disconnect. My biggest concern, like the the story I just told you about that in high school, that's just terrible. Like that is that is something that no one should ever be put in that position. Because, again, no matter what you do, you're going to be wrong. Mm. And there's so many scenarios I could tell you like that. And public educators will know exactly what I'm talking about, you know? Um, but the thing I struggle with the most when I'm watching a baseball game or a sporting event of any kind is, oh, he should have never stole second. Why would he pass the ball? You know? Yeah, <laughs> that's, like that's minimal, my... minimal. Yeah. Mm. When did your big break come professionally? I got into a scenario with the Miami Heat where I was be- I became their backup announcer. Um, how did this opportunity um, open up? Because I was working at FIU and at FIU football, their main announcer is Mike Bayamonte, the same guy who I was mimicking All back in 2007. Yeah. Yeah. Back yeah. in 2007, the same now guy I was mimicking. Now you're a couple of steps away from your yeah. hero. Me meeting him was like a girl in the 90s meeting a boy band member. You know, like that, that's exactly <laughs> how I felt. Uh, I, I met him, I expressed my interest, and, so and, the, and the coolest thing out of everything, he thought I was great at what I did. You know, he's like, oh, you're really good and this and that. And I was like, nah. And, I, and I, at that moment, I thought he's just saying that because he's supposed to. And he's a great guy. He's a nice guy. He's going to say that. But then about a year later after us meeting, if not less than that, he's like, oh, let's have, a, let's have dinner uh, at some restaurant. I want to talk to you. December of 2017, 16. He wants to talk to me. But mind you, before we had this conversation Between me meeting him at FIU And us meeting at this dinner Between that Is when uh, Andy Ellisberg The Vice President of the Heat He got enshrined to the Bobcat Hall of Fame That's the same time as Bobcat Hall of Fame mm-hmm. uh, our, our college And They ended up going with me as the MC Last minute And I think uh, Mike couldn't make it Or whoever it was that they wanted to use I forget now uh, couldn't make it last minute and they used me as the MC and here I am emceeing the Hall of Fame induction for the vice president of the Miami Heat in front of the Miami Heat. You know, in front of all the big dogs. Is Ty Riley there? No, because they had a they had a they had a home game. I mean it's a, a road game. They had a road game that day. Um but anybody who was specifically for roads. Uh, I mean, for home stuff was able to go. So anybody who was on the travel log but didn't make it. So that, you know, so that was the you know the the, the Pat Rileys and only reason uh, I asked is because I would
0: have giggled like a
1: girl meeting a boy band too <laughs> if I would have met Pat Riley. No, nah, he, he was not there. <laughs> I, he did he did do a beautiful video for him though. Uh uh-huh. Beautiful video. Whoever, for, Andy, for Andy. Yeah, for Andy. Andy. Yeah, there was a there was a video uh, played. Uh, people. Wishing him well and and congratulating him for getting there. And nevertheless, we're going off topic. So, (laughs) just sprinkling a little fact about Andy uh, Andy Ellisberg.
0: If it wasn't for Andy Ellisberg, the big three—LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh—does not happen. And I'm talking about from a books, from a uh, budget balancing Mm -hmm. perspective. If it wasn't for Andy Ellisberg's genius. Yeah. The big three probably doesn't happen.
1: And no, it doesn't. It doesn't happen at all. It doesn't Shaq, happen. Dr. Bo. Yeah, and Shaq doesn't come to Miami either. By the way, <laughs> so uh, a lot of people like to credit Pat Riley, and they and they should, yeah, they should. Mm-hmm. but trust me, the the the, the guy his, his right hand man is is Andy yeah, he Heat Culture baby. Yeah, don't forget about that. <laughs> now, anyway, so he he gets he gets enshrined, emcee the event, and here we have like Joe Pineda and all these other like you know broadcasters for the Heat and all these other guys come up to me, oh, you're great, this not that blah 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 and. That's when I had that moment, like, wow. I can actually... The pros are looking at me. Yeah, exactly. I feel like a, I feel like a, a five-star recruit at this point, you know? Um, so Instead of coming out of high school, I'm like, <laughs> I'm out of college at this point. And I, I meet up with them. Then, a few months later, Mike calls me up. He's like, I want to take you out to dinner. And Mike and I are cool, and we've hung out like this before, but we don't go on dates for dinner, you know, like, that's not, that's not us, so I was wondering why you wanted to take me out for dinner, we go out for dinner, and, you know, and we hang out, we are, we are friends, we are friends, uh, we talk all the time, I call him all the time, but at this moment, he was there with the idea of, hey, look, uh, last year I had this problem with my eye, and I couldn't announce a couple games, and they brought in some guy, and they weren't too happy with it, and... We talked about you, and a lot of people liked you because of the whole Andy thing and stuff that you do at FIU, and wanted to know if you could become, you know, my backup, which, in my eyes, this is like, this is this is the equivalent of if Peyton Manning was with the Coats, and he called Drew back in the days to be his backup, and you're like, oh, you want me to be your backup? Like, no doubt, you know? Um, so you're awestruck. Of course, you know, and there's only one answer for that. It's yes, and I'm not going to lie to you. Sure, there's only one answer for that. <laughs> yeah, it's yes, and uh, I drove back home on the turnpike, and I cried, bro. I cried. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I'm a cheesy dude. If you know me, you know I'm I'm, I'm cheesy dude. I, I blasted a moment like this by Kelly Clarkson. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, man, like, there we it, go. like here it is. <laughs> but now now here's the other thing. I do the game, and all my students, oh, that's so cool you do this, and then it's back to normal. It's like, yo, like you're the help. I did get my master's and then I started teaching at FIU and at St. Thomas. And And this is the first time you're teaching college? Collegiate level. And I realized how that's day and night. It started this network for me that didn't exist before and I was like, man, like this is where I should have been a long time ago. And not only that, it let me pick classes at whatever time I wanted to. I wasn't locked into somewhere from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. And that's when the reality of how I can get out there helped. At first... I would do that 10 a.m. game because they rented out um, they rented out uh, uh, Mark Lider or whatever. I, I, I literally could do any time slot you wanted me to. That was great too. Then from there, it was apply to whatever position you saw announcing jobs for professional teams. I it, it, if the if the Wichita you know Peter wanted me <laughs> to, wanted me to go, I was going. I was going. Then I came across Orlando City. Orlando City. In uh, the Major League Soccer team, their announcer, Paco, Paco Lopez, great human being, by the way, good dude, um, I, he got a job in Vegas, being a radio broadcaster over there in Vegas, in a huge uh, uh, huge network over there. And he had to let go of Orlando City midway to the season. That tragedy became my triumph. I go, I, 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 I apply for the job, I drive up to Orlando from Miami, Uh, they had a couple other candidates. I beat them out, and here I am. I am now the announcer for a major league soccer team. A professional team wants me to be in and out, too, because it's not only Orlando City, but Orlando Pride. It's all ones men's. and women's. Men's and women's. And, by the way, at this moment, the Pride have Alex Morgan playing for them. Oh, yeah. You know, like, this is just cool. It's Mm -hmm. cool. Um, And here I am. I go from the help at this public education sector to the announcer for a major team, a major professional team literally everything that I thought I was everything that I thought that I was preparing for and and, uh, those little, you know, after school stuff that I thought I was going to, I never realized that it takes a little more effort than that, like this is not, although a part time gig, but it's not a part time dream you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so I I've I got back on the horse, man. It months just it took months. It took months, and you might say it's divine intervention or wherever it was, but my mentality, me as a as a man, changed the day I decided to put myself in a desperate scenario to succeed.
0: So I know one of your biggest triumphs is being able to public address announce the All Star Game yeah. that was hosted in Orlando that year. Talk to us about that. All of a sudden, you're dreaming when you were younger about doing this in front of a big crowd, next thing you know you're doing it at an
1: all-star game in front of thousands and thousands of people. Doing it in front of a packed house and in front of a live audience of 172 different countries. Yep. On TV as well. Yep. yep. And Those um, voice echoed throughout. I remember watching the yeah, broadcast. I was part of the presentation. You know, I was part of the pre-game presentations. Um, and, you know, I, I, your boy has Fox credit. You know what yep. I mean? Like, it's cool. Um, man, you just... you. You have to stand in all because there's literally people who have announced for not only Major League Soccer but any other professional league for years, decades, and, and gonna, never got an All Star Game, never got an All Star Game bid. Here I am, not even four games into an Orlando City season for myself. They they they're in mm-hmm. already, but myself after my fourth game with MLS, I get the, I get an All Star Game. Um, what was your pinch me moment? uh <laughs> pitch me tommy <laughs> pitch me uh,
0: tommy <laughs> uh,
1: i don't think i i don't think i had time I, I didn't have time for it before or
0: after I, for sure after, after, after for, uh, for
1: sure after um and it was such a silent b- drive home so i'm gonna give you a good story, such a beautiful moment that all happened so when i was at when I was at the at the high school there's uh one student I have Alejandro we are super close, so close like till this day we're super close right and he graduated already uh, the year before and whatnot, and he was uh, he was getting ready uh, for the armed forces, and for extra money he was doing some valet and stuff like that, and he got a gig, the weekend of All Star weekend up in Orlando. Then, I was able to not only hang out with him and like have this thing go full circle, then you're living in Orlando, and I'm staying with you, and it's like this big like oh. Like, the past is with you, for sure, but look where you're at because you detached
0: from it. And I think something that I think we all need to remind ourselves of is giving yourself that credit. Because if it wasn't for your work, if it wasn't for you putting yourself out there, if it wasn't for you making making those connections, making those good relationships stick and last... You know, you wouldn't have had somebody you know that, that offer you a hand when you needed it. Uh, for you wouldn't sure. have somebody out there who, who who knew to link you up with the next opportunity. This is why it's important to make it known and and,
1: and be a, be a good motherfucker, Jesus. Yeah, just be a good <laughs> fucking person. Bro. Yeah, man. You, you you don't know how many scenarios I've been in in life that just being a good person has either gotten me out of or you know or got me into. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, yeah, for sure. Be be good people. Um and it's funny because when I got the Orlando City job, since I replaced somebody like midway through the season, just like any other thing, they'd be like, oh, that's not the, that's not the same guy. And that's not Paco. And uh, I got a little heat from it too, but I learned from that as well. I'm like, damn, you know, uh, I have my style. Mm-hmm. You know, I have my own style. There's a Reddit actually. You can still, to this day, like, I, I don't look back at it, but uh, there's a Reddit. Uh, of, like, Who this, who's this new guy? He's awful. Whatever. It's so great. Maybe so great. The internet. Yeah, 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 like, who's this person? And then they're like, oh, he. He sounds like a fake Alan Roach. Now, Alan Roach is. Alan Roach is the Vikings PA announcer who's done every Super Bowl. He used to be the Broncos too. He's done every Super Bowl for the last three decades. And I'm like, I sound like a fake one of him? I'll take that. Yeah, no, that's a compliment. Yeah, I'm, like, I, I, I'm, I'm a poor man. I know who that is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm a poor man's Alan Roach. <laughs> like, I, Dude, that's like that's like telling me, I don't know, like I'm a... I'm a poor man's Peyton Manning, to go back to him. Like, I will tell... You, that's, like a, that's a good 20-year career, if you ask me. <laughs> what was... Do you remember your first words that uh, you echoed uh, on the broadcast? What were the first words? Uh... Uh, on the actual broadcast? Well, obviously... Yeah, was, once you were on. Obviously. There was a welcome in the stadium first, but the actual broadcast... Was uh, bringing out the players, nice. bringing out the, the officials and the players for Atletico Madrid and uh, the MLS All Stars. Nice. I'll tell you what, the most nostalgic name for me was. I'll give you that one. I, 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 I just could land into the best name. Uh, that, that preseason game that I got to do for the Heat, uh, to, when I backed up Mike, we played the Atlanta Hawks, and Vince Carter just signed with them. And the first name on the visiting lineup that I got to say was, was Vince, Vince Carter. Carter. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. (laughs) That was my first game. And then the second game I got to do what happened to be Dwayne Wade's last preseason game ever. Nice. nice, So those are pretty cool. Those are pretty pretty, cool that I got to do that. That's pretty sick, man. So speaking of basketball, um, up until the COVID-19
0: pandemic, um, you were working with the Harlem Globetrotters. How did that happen?
1: So here I am with Orlando City, just got done with the season, um, promised to come back next year and whatnot. How, How can I give up the first pro team to ever hire me, right? How can I ever give that up? Then uh, I come across... I come across a, a post that the Harlem Globe Globetrotters are looking for an announcer. Uh, I apply, and I'm thinking I apply in maybe in a couple weeks, maybe in a month. I knew my resume was strong, but it doesn't mean that they look at it, you know? I applied, and I was in my bed. I just woke up. Saw the alert that that that, uh, that the job was available. I applied... I sent my resume, everything on the phone, not even on the laptop, and I, you know, kind of went back to sleep. I get a phone call twelve minutes later. Hey, uh, this is Zoli with the Harlem Globetrotters, and uh, we're one. We looked at your resume, this and that. Blah, blah. I'm like, how did, how did you even get a chance to even read my resume? It's been, it's been eighteen minutes since I posted it up. Uh, long story short, they invite me. To come up to Atlanta. They fly me out to Atlanta to get me to the uh, audition with them. I auditioned with them. They, they sent me back to Miami the next day. And the position was to travel the world with the Harlem Globetrotters to announce not only in the United States, but in the, uh, you know, around the world. And not only that, to get the to flex the Spanish tongue, too, in these Spanish countries... Um, the next day I come back to Miami I have a class that I'm teaching at FIU I drive up to the, to the parking garage at FIU as soon as I park Zoli calls me and Zoli's like hey look if, the, if you want the job the job is yours and sure enough here I am sitting in my car and I'm thinking to myself wow you, you haven't even been hired in MLS for a year and, you're, and now you have to call them and tell them how <laughs> thank you but no thanks so, you had just gotten the biggest gig of your life. You just did the All Star Game, yeah. and all of a sudden, you had to say peace out. Yeah, working with Team USA and everything, I had to say peace out. I know. I went from I went from 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 being disciplined by an assistant principal why I don't write hall passes for a student who needs to go pee to to, <laughs> to doing the All Star Game, to doing the All Star Game, working with those, Team USA. Yeah, you're about to travel all over the world with our little little Yeah. That's that's exactly how that how that shit all went down.
0: And so once you're out on the road, once you said yes, what was the first gig that you that
1: you did with the Harlem Globe Trotters? Um, the first gig was was in Atlanta because we're out of Atlanta. We did uh so there's three teams with the Harlem Globe Trotters. Uh each team goes their own way on on their tour. It's news to me. Yeah, yeah, there's three. There's there's three three squads um that go out. And we had the Southeast Midwest, the other team had like Northeast Canada, and the other one had the West Coast. And then from there, each team goes somewhere else in the world. And so we, my first gig was in Atlanta. Uh, it was a practice, our, our practice facility in Atlanta. And it was kind of like um, not only a, uh, an exhibition, but we did bring fans in. But it was, you know, for me to kind of like get everything figured out. The one thing about the Globetrotters is... This is a lot more show involved as well, and I've never been a showman, if you will, and I got to learn to do that. That was amazing. I uh, sure being a WWE fan exactly. <laughs> so so now I'm now I'm more Jim Ross than I am Michael Bayamonte. Uh-huh. You know, I'm more I'm more Jim Ross, and it, it's it was it was cool. Um, Redefining yourself, and yeah, and, and we started off in small cities. Like after that, we we drove up to like. Random cities in Maryland and stuff like that—Fredericksburg, uh, Pikeville, Kentucky. These these random small little t- cities, and I'm like, wow, this is what I got myself into. Like, I didn't mean it in a negative oh, way. But you learn a lot. Oh man, mm-hmm. these small towns were so cool. To, like, I, I, I judged it. I'm not gonna lie, I judged it at first. And I was like, oh, wow, like mm-hmm. you, you gave up Orlando City for this, you know? <laughs> and being born and raised in Miami your whole yeah, life, and then... yeah. Then here I am, you know, freezing. Uh, but no, no, no. I, I, I met so many cool people every single place I went to. And we talked about that Rolodex that I had going on that I started at LA. Oh, man, now it's, now it's beyond. Because now I know the game presentation people for just about any arena in the United States, big or small, college or pro. Branching out
0: your network, expanding your network. No. You know, Again, the little things you were doing that you learned to develop during your high school, college years are, or yeah, are the same things you're doing now that are leading to your bigger and bigger opportunities.
1: Yeah, I, so I, 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 then I got to do the big boy arenas and these NBA arenas, and in the same year that I got to do a, a gig at the Heat arena, I also did one in the Grizzlies arena, I did one in the Hawks arena, I got to do one in the Predators and Nashville, like just these major cities. I got to do their big arenas and. Again, it's just, it's, it strokes the ego. I'm not going to lie. It strokes the ego. Like, that, that kid at 18 years old who said he was going to do this, here he is at 30 and he's done it, you know, he's done it. And that, I think that's, I think that, um, that promoted me to do other stuff in life. Like now I, now I feel, I, I, I feel content. I feel, I feel like I've succeeded no matter what at this point. And that leads me to do other things, like now I got into my PhD and stuff like that, because I, I don't, I'm not saying that, that I'm not hungry anymore, because I am, I'm still hungry, I just, I, I don't know, it's just a different feeling when you get there.
0: Our main topic is the spread of false and misleading information on social media, so I wanted to ask you as a con professor, um, is this alarming to you? Um, is this something that you have observed Yourself Is this something that your students are talking about? Well, what do you think of the
1: spread of false and misleading information on social media? Do you see, see it as a problem? When it comes to false information, I, I tell you what, man, the, these, these students that are younger than you and I, you know, the, the people that are just breaking into their 20s, they don't believe in shit. <laughs> they don't believe shit they don't believe anything that they come across where are they getting their information do you think or do you know i don't think they i don't think they 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 care about information no 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 they I'm care about care. It. They, they, they care they care they care I just I think it needs to be posted by more than six different people before they start believing it and by six different people do you mean like their peers or do you mean like credible sources right. maybe their peers but definitely credible sources. Uh, depending on the news, um, but it's just—it's wild. It's—it's it's wild that that they really don't believe in shit. You know, they really don't. And why do you think that is? Because we created that world. We created this world where where just anybody could just put out anything. As con professionals, and you as a professor, like, is do you
0: see a solution? Do you see a a way out of this? Do you see us going? faster and faster into
1: it. Oh, no. This is... I feel like we're at a point of no return.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. I feel like
1: we're at a point of no return. I don't... You know? like we'll, You don't see it turning back. No, because we, we already don't believe shit. Like, look at now. The face, Facebook has, like, the uh, the false... The fact-checking. Mm-hmm. The fact-checking. And even there, like, oh, uh, they're saying that it's false, but they're trying to keep us from the truth. And now it's just... Now everything's Illuminati this and, uh, you know, like, you know, <laughs> conspiracy that, conspiracy, like, that's, that's the world we're into now, where if your truth is deemed to be untrue, now we have a conspiracy. Mm-hmm. So there's, it's not fact versus fiction anymore. It's fact versus compi- a conspiracy. We got a pandemic going on. And not only that, now there's people who say the pandemic is a conspiracy. So you think the whole world got COVID for our election? No we, way. We but we, it goes back to what I said. We believe we're that country. We believe that things are so important here. We like yo know, the one thing I love about my occupation to wrap this all around is I get to travel to different places. And gain different perspectives. And gain different perspectives. And we are so full of our own shit in this country. <laughs> we are so full of our own shit in this country that we don't realize there's other freaking views and other ways of doing it.
0: I want to feel that that's how things were, right? And that now it needs, like, we need a little bit more clarity or, I don't know, a filter or, or I don't know, some, some way of clair- making things clear to folks. We just don't know what it is yet. Well, Luis, thank you very much for joining us. Conversation was great. I'm sure you're going to be back on many, many episodes in the future. Once again, thank you so much for joining us and uh, we'll have you on later, Ivan. Right, Sweet. Thank you, bro. Dale. Do you know your election dates and deadlines? From my state of Florida, the next local elections are going to be held on Tuesday, August 18th. The early voting period begins Saturday, August 8th through August 15th. Check for available voting polls. The deadline for registration for this coming local election has passed. Again, local election day for Florida is Tuesday, August 18th. The general election, where we will vote for our president, will be Tuesday, November 3rd. The registration deadline for the general election is Monday, October 5th. The early voting period for the general election will be October 24th through October 31st. That's one week. We have one week before Election Day where we're free to go in and take advantage of early voting. Thank you for joining us on Perspectives. I want to thank Luis Perez for joining us on the show. Follow us on all social media platforms, Apple Music and Spotify, and especially check out thepowerculture.com where you can stream or listen to all of the prospective episodes along with more content focusing on culture, news, music and art. Powerculture.com Peace